Before we get into the show, let me quickly tell you about a new podcast I've discovered. Truth, Lies and Workplace Culture is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. What's so exciting for me is that this show is hosted by husband and wife team, Al and Leanne Elliott, who are fellow Manx. Yeah, they are fellow Mancunians. We are from the same city. And Leanne and I realized we actually at one point lived in the exact same area. What a small world. So in their podcast, Al and Leanne are dispelling myths, imparting wisdom, and answering all your questions about finding, keeping, and motivating great people. Leanne's a business psychologist, and Al has led and owned multiple businesses over the past 20 years. Together, they blend theory and practice to help business owners and leaders simplify consumer psychology. Now, as a copywriter who loves figuring out what makes people tick and what makes them buy, I really enjoyed their episode with Phil Agnew. It's called What Makes Your Team Say Yes? Exploring the Psychology of Influence. Go check it out. Listen to Truth, Lies and Workplace Culture wherever you get your podcasts. Service providers have a big issue and we're rightly getting called out for it. We're so busy providing our services for everyone else that we often forget to do that same thing for ourselves. Take me, for example. I'm an email strategist who writes weekly newsletters for my clients and I go on and on and on about the merits of writing to your subscribers every single week. But when it's time to sit down and write newsletters for my own email list, God, I really try, but it's so hard to stay consistent. I probably average out about one email every 12 or so days, which is not good enough as far as I'm concerned. I know amazing website copywriters who write the best websites for their clients, but their own website? Terrible. And they'll admit this themselves. I know designers who are creating beautiful brands for their clients, but their own brand is lacking, to say the least. Social media strategists whose social media pages are dead, dead, dead. You know what I'm talking about. It's a case of the cobbler's children having no shoes. The shoemaker is so busy making shoes for everyone else that he doesn't have time to make shoes for his own kids. It's so easy to give our clients the best of us that we get a little carried away and forget our business deserves the best of us too. We neglect to do things in our business that we would never neglect to do for our clients. But don't worry, it's not just me and you. Experienced business owners Amy Posner and Kirsty Fanton have done it too. We were so excited about working together that we got so caught up in that, that the way we launched it was something that neither of us would ever have like okayed with from a strategy perspective for a client. So the first launch of that program absolutely flopped. I think we sold two spots. It's embarrassing to admit. It's sort of surprising to admit. And I, but this is a weird thing. I mean, wow, we both see this over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, right? How it's so difficult to do for yourself what you do so naturally for clients. You know, and I said to Kirsty, I mean, she's, you know, she's, she's a launch expert. Like if her client had come to her with this, she would have been like, yeah, that's very cute. Mm -hmm. Good, Good for you. No, we're not doing anything like that. On today's show, I'm speaking to Amy Posner and Kirsty Fanton. Amy is a conversion copywriter, business coach, and serial business owner. And Kirsty is a launch copywriter and ex-psychotherapist. 
They joined forces and became business partners, podcast co-hosts, and honestly, a duo to be reckoned with. We're talking about the time they were so excited to launch their new group program that they did everything they wouldn't do if they were launching for one of their clients. This fatal error meant their first ever launch together flopped, and they had a matter of weeks to come up with a plan and fix it. And how did we both feel about publicly admitting that we, well, or we were embarrassed, that we messed up, that we just did something that was kind of stupid and kind of like surprisingly stupid. But I think we also are both confident enough to realize like, okay, you know, we're just people. We did something stupid and we know that people do this particular thing all the time. Like, oh, look, we fell into the trap too. And so there's like, there's good intelligence in that, I think, and good and good knowledge. And neither of us were, you know, ashamed or embarrassed of saying, hey, This is how we screwed up. This is how we're going to fix it. Welcome to Mistakes That Made Me, the podcast that asks extraordinary business owners to share their biggest business mistake so you know what not to do on your road to success. My name's Iman Ismail, and I'm an email strategist and copywriter for online business owners and e-commerce brands. I'm a podcast lover, a pizza binger, a proud mama of two, And I have this radical idea that if maybe us business owners were a little less guarded and a lot more open about the mistakes we've made, we could help each other grow a business that brings us more joy and less regret. Quick warning, there is a little bit of swearing in this interview. So if you're around kids, you might want to pop your headphones in or listen in another time. Okay. Amy Posner and Kirsty Fanton, thank you so much for both being here. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. <laughs> I am so excited to have you both here, but you're both sick with COVID. Yes. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> we hosted an event in Mexico last week and half of the group got COVID on the way home and we were part of that half. So we sound a bit throaty, a bit like Macy Gray vibes, but hopefully that's okay. It's okay. I feel like you made it a trip that they'll never forget. <laughs> they will really never forget it. <laughs> yeah, let's hope this is a thing they'll, that will fade and then they'll remember all of the other things. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. I know you both because you've both been my coaches. Amy, I joined your mastermind more than once and it was brilliant. Kirsty, I joined your brilliant brain camp. And I think I was in them both at the same time, actually. And so I've known you both for a good few years now, and I've been following you for longer, I think. So I know like your individual stories. So let's start off right there, actually, because you're business partners. But let's start off with Amy. Amy, tell us who you are Mm -hmm. and what you do. So I I guess I guess really what I would consider myself as a serial entrepreneur more than anything. I've been in business for three decades and I've done various things. And, and most recently, I guess in the last decade, I've been around the the copywriting world specifically and the small business, uh, small online business world. And what that's refined into for me is teaching business skills, teaching people who are really competent at their craft, how to actually live well and make money, learning how to kind of move that move in the business world. So that's me. Thank you. Okay. And you, Kirsty? What, who, tell us who you are and what you do. Sure. So I'm Kirsty Fenton. I am a launch copywriter and an ex-psychotherapist. 
And I had my first baby about 18 months ago. So in mind, we've been sort of in the trenches together, even though it was your second that was sort of (laughs) more aligned with the timing of of my little first one. So my business is sort of in a bit of a process of changing and shifting at the moment, I think. So rather than the majority of my income coming from done-for-you launch projects with clients, most of it is coming from my online course, which is Brain Camp, as you mentioned, and also coaching and also digital products. So I'm sort of in that, I guess, messy middle at the moment between sort of shifting business models. So that's me. Yeah. And you said that we were kind of like in the trenches together. Yeah, we really were because there was a, there's a five year gap, almost, I think five and a half year gap between my two kids. And so by the time I was having my second, it felt like I was doing this all over again. Like, <laughs> because I could not remember anything from the first pregnancy, from the first, like those newborn, like it was just all gone. All of it was gone. So we definitely went through that together. So tell me how you came together because you are like just the most brilliant partnership and almost like I would never have guessed it you know what I mean like you you, I feel like the most unlikely partnership I don't know because these are on the like opposite sides of the world as well okay and so how did this happen because it's just the most like genius the most genius partnership so I can I mean I can answer this one if you like we have practice because at the retreat last week everyone asked us this question (laughs) so we first met at the first ever TCC IRL event in New York, which was, I think, 2018, Amy presented and it was an amazing presentation. And when I saw her, I was like, I need to seek this Amy person out at the after party just to have a chat about their prezo and just, you know, learn a bit more about them. So I did. And then we proceeded to get drunk together. I think it's fair to say that after party. (laughs) And then we ended up at Katz's Deli at like 3 a.m., like, and we bonded over the fact that we both have very small heads <laughs> and can never find hats. <laughs> so that was sort of the first meeting. And then we met again about a year later in the Think Tank Mastermind Retreat in San Diego. Robin Kira brought Amy along as a guest for maybe a day or day and a half of that retreat. And I was so excited to see you again, Amy. I don't know if you felt the same about me, but we had another chat there. And then after that, I actually hired Amy as a coach for three months. So we worked together in that capacity. So Amy is the coach and me as a client. And then by the end of that, we both decided that we really liked each other. (laughs) And then I think we respected each other's way of working and certain things about that. And then we launched an online program together at the start of 2020. And we met in person again in March 2020, just before COVID really sort of exploded <laughs> at another event in the States. And then I guess things have just continued from from there. Okay. And, and just to clarify for anyone who doesn't know, TCC IRL is the Copyright Club in Real Life, which is an, a real life event. So you've actually met in real life there before you became business partners. Okay. Because Kirsty, you're in Australia and Amy, you're in the US. Whereabouts in the US are you, Amy? I'm in the Pacific Northwest. So like the forest for this like Western corner. Okay. So this is why I was like, how did this happen? But you've actually met, which is okay. Amazing. And Amy, I feel like when I said, it like it's the most unlikely but like most genius partnership you were like hmm why why <laughs> what were you thinking then well it's just interesting to hear you say that and i have no idea like what you know what anyone's perception of the partnership even is because interestingly you know we what we realized is we saw eye to eye on so many things and i'm not sure what you know 
doesn't matter where we were each coming from, you mm-hmm. know, whether it was, it was business, political, personal, we just, we just kept sort of agreeing and agreeing and agreeing with each other. And, you know, of course, you always like someone who thinks like you do. No, I'm just teasing, but you know, we, we really just had a lot in common in business and coming from very different perspectives. And so, you know, we wanted more of that. You know, we wanted to sort of mush that together and work together. And we felt like there was something that we could, could bring to the world. Um, and so, so it's interesting because I think, I, I guess my reaction there was we were both a little bit tentative. We're both pretty much lone wolves, I'd say. And it was kind of like, mm, love collaborating, but ooh, you know, it's like, do I want you in my money and in my business? And like, it, it was a thing. I mean, it's been hard one for us, I would say, in that regard. I can imagine. I mean, it's one thing being friends, but then bring like going into business together is a whole new world. And I guess maybe you're kind of worried as well about ruining the friendship, even if things kind of take a turn. Was that a concern? Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. And just, and just not knowing. I mean, yeah. you know, what things can, things can get very weird when money gets involved. Mm-hmm. It just can. It, it's a real, it's one of those major, you know, issue items right like it it can be really tricky yeah so who was it that came up with the idea of of doing something together how did that conversation go I suspect it may have come from you Amy because I can't imagine past Kirsty who was like definitely like I was just starting to like hit a really good growth trajectory I can't imagine that Kirsty coming to my coach and being like hey (laughs) <laughs> let's work together like as a partnership. So I suspect it was you, but I have no actual recollection of like <laughs> how that started. I just remember the feeling of being like, holy shit, Amy Posner wants to partner with me. And I was very excited. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I, I, did, I did not know that, but I could see that you would be right, that that would have happened. Also, I think you were more hesitant to collaborate gen- just generally. I think you were very much wanted to, you know, keep in your lane and kind of keep moving forward and you did not want any distractions on the path. And I think I just kept sort of tempting you. And um, I don't know, eventually, I guess, I guess I must have worn you down. I think you did. <laughs> it's so funny to think of that now. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did because you have an amazing podcast together, Business Fadassery. And it's, it's just a really cool show. So it's for freelancers, not just copywriters, right? For kind of all freelancers. You're listening to Business Badassery, the audio advice column for your online business. I'm Kirsty Fan. And you answer questions that people submit, like in, like an advice column type of thing, but an audio advice column. Is that what you call it? Yes. Yes. And it's one of my favorite podcasts and it's really like short and sweet, maybe 20 minutes long, 15, 20 minutes long per episode. And it's just a great podcast. So how did you start that? And I was really surprised, by the way, to see that it's already been over two years that you've been doing the podcast. I don't know where time goes because I remember listening to the first episode. Oh, Oh, you're an original. (laughs) I am an original. Because I remember you talking about creating a podcast and me being like, oh my gosh, I need to listen to this. I actually remember where I was because I was playing it in my car driving yeah I genuinely remember one of the first episodes and I just thought this is absolutely brilliant and it was the kind of coaching that I just really needed I really I still listen to it you know weekly but it was really the exactly the kind of podcast that I needed like business coaching super like actionable advice it's just a brilliant podcast so how did that happen who came up with that idea as well well So I, I, I love advice columns. I absolutely love them. I have three of them that I read every single day. I confess a fourth one. I'd like just savor on Sunday, but 
I, I love the idea and I've always wanted to have one. I've always wanted to have an advice column. And I don't know how we started talking about it. I, maybe I just showed that I liked it and Kirsty did too. And we started, you know, with the British term agony ant, which you'll be familiar with. Yes. Which is <laughs> not something that we use in the States. And I just love that. She's like, Oh, you mean like an agony ant for business? And I was like, Oh, yes. That's exactly what I mean. But one thing that we had talked about, so we talked about doing other projects together. And for both of us, it had to be a really light lift. It couldn't be something that was too complicated, that was going to be very involved in terms of time. Like we could devote the time to create it, but if there's going to be a lot of other time involved in the production or admin of it, it wasn't going to fly. And so that seemed like, I, I think, Kirsty, tell me if this is wrong, but I feel like it was something you could get on board with. Yes, I was still trying to like reel you in. Yeah, hundred percent. Yes, because I think that was, and I know we're going to talk about the the program a little bit later, but that was sort of at the end of that, we wanted to find a way to keep working together. But as you say, Amy, it really had to be light and easy for both of us. And I don't know if Amy knew. I don't know if you knew at the time, Amy, but I was also trying to get pregnant, so I was hyper aware that perhaps <laughs> adding this a new project. Was, you know, it wasn't the right time for that. So I remember Amy kept being like, we could do this and this. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> so I think we got to the, to the podcast because it felt so fun. Like it just meant that we would get to catch up once a month and talk about business things. And we're like, we do this anyway. Like <laughs> why not make it into a thing? And of course, with the, I guess the agony arm or the advice column kind of set up, you know, there's no content planning because we just answer the questions that come into us. <laughs> No, that feels, that feels so ideal to me. That idea of like getting, just getting on the mic and answering questions because I've created this thing, this huge thing for myself now where with this podcast, I absolutely love doing it. But gosh, does it take a lot of time to even just put one episode together? I'm like scripting the intros, the outros, the, you know, and then I'm recording the intros and the outros and then we're editing, then we're playing with like all the sound and the music it's a lot to just do one episode. So when hearing you say like, I just, I just sit down and we just talk. That sounds lovely. It really yeah. is. I just want to go slightly sideways for a second because you did, because I remember you had been talking about wanting to launch your podcast for a long time. And when you did, I was so blown away. I was like, of course, it's like, it's perfect. I mean, of course it's taking you effort because you're doing such an outstanding job. And I was like, of course, just, oh, thank you. just had to throw that in. That's exactly what I was going to say. I was like, yes, but Iman, like yours is so perfectly intentional. Like it's so curated. You have perfect like ads for your own offers and products that correspond with the timing so beautifully. Like I can imagine it would be growing your audience so well because you get amazing people on the podcast with the exception of these two nuts that you have here right now. So yes, like I, I can totally <laughs> see that it would be so much work. And also it's such a perfect intentional example of what a podcast can be whereas I feel like ours is just like <laughs> the opposite you of know <laughs> thank you so much that really means a lot and it's funny because I feel like oh gosh I must have Amy just must have been sick of me because I was saying for the longest time Amy I really want to start a podcast and at some point Amy is just probably just too nice to say to me just start the bloody podcast already just do the thing because <laughs> I've been going on about it for so long but I will say that with your podcast it I feel like th there's mine, which is, gr which is great. Like I, I love like the creative process. I think that's why I did it. Like I needed a, a creative outlet. I wanted something to be like, you know, just something to experiment with and, and that kind of thing. But I love that yours is just it's, it's on demand business coaching. Like, you know, it's just exactly as you describe it. No fluff, like business advice. And 
Like you can literally, you listen to it and you walk away knowing what to do in, you know, whatever situation you're talking about that day. I also want to mention that you, again, just came back from Mexico. You organized this retreat to Mexico, to which I was invited, I've just got to say. But sadly, couldn't go. I couldn't go because it was just, it was just a lot with the kids and stuff. And you just came back and I've seen everyone kind of posting these amazing, gorgeous pictures of the time that they had and getting to meet you two in real life. Tell me about the retreat. Why did you decide to create an, an in-person a live event? So we could get together. <laughs> Love it. It's that simple. <laughs> we wanted to see each other. No, no, that, I mean, that's true. We were definitely, we definitely wanted to see each other, but I think we also wanted to test out this idea of, you know, what would it be like to be in person and to sort of do something the th- the thing is we don't as business owners we're we're not really great at stepping away right stepping away and reflecting and thinking or if we do it we we certainly don't do it for 3 or 4 days and we don't do it in the company of other people and i guess our question was you know what could that be like you know what what if you did have these other brains and what if you did have the luxury of time and interestingly and of course you know wouldn't it be lovely if it was someplace nice and beautiful and pretty and Mm-hmm. What it turns out is that's really inspiring because it's, it's, it's one thing to dream in your office. It's another thing to dream when you're having an experience that you really want to be having and that you really want your life to be like, but you're like, mm, you know, I mean, we all have all the reasons that we hold back or we don't, but I, I think planning and thinking in that kind of environment just really, and this was not something that I had anticipated, but it really surprised me. It just really opens you up in a, in a whole other way. And then being in the company of other, people who are entrepreneurial and and thinking and can, you know, can give you ideas, just it's brilliant. And I think it came together in a way that was better than we could have even planned or expected. And and we didn't know. And we wanted to prove the concept. Is this something that we would enjoy? Was it something that would deliver value? Was it something that we might, you know, want to put into our business mix eventually? So, or, you know, as a, as a more regular thing. Amazing. What was the, what was your favorite part? Oof, that's a hard question. <laughs> so I like my I have to say, I like to give this context. I called Colin, my husband and Ollie, my little boy, on like the third day, I think, and Colin was like, How's it going? And I was like, you know what? This is my favorite week of work ever across wow. both my careers. So for me, I think I'm gonna find it impossible to pick like a moment out of that. It just like, I can't overstate <laughs> how like, like magical and just like, it just felt like alchemy. The right, like the people were amazing and they all brought something so beautiful to that experience and they made it what it was. And to be able to experience that with them in this amazing villa in Mexico that was just like <laughs> out of this world, like beautiful. And also to do it in the context, I think of, you know, a post-COVID world, not that COVID's obviously gone, we're evidence that it's still very much alive, but, you know, in a world where it definitely feels like a bigger thing now to actually travel overseas and to get together in person and mm-hmm. layer on top of that the fact to be able to take a week off to go to Mexico as a mum of a toddler. Like, I just think all of that really, for me personally, part in to just make it such a magic week. So, I'm not going to be able to answer your question, sorry, but maybe Amy will have more luck picking a <laughs> picking a favourite bit. <laughs> You know, I, I think my favorite bit is that we did it, that we actually just did it. Like my bit there, it was all of it. I mean, it's kind of like Kirsty said, there was, I mean, there were, 
there were highlights that were business. There were highlights that were emotional and personal. And there were food highlights. I mean, there were all kinds of things. You know, and I think back to when we planned this uh, last summer, and it was kind of like, a, you know, do, do we do it? Do we not? Do we do it? You know, do we not? And that the fact that we that we actually did it. And and one thing that we've been talking about in terms of our partnership is that there's a real ease in what we do and how we work together. And this and this was so much that. And it was more proof to us that we that we do work really well together. Because some of it, you know, we did a lot of programming in advance. We did all the programming in advance, but we d- kind of did several programs because we didn't know exactly how what was going to be needed because we haven't done this before. Mm-hmm. And so we allowed ourselves to kind of well, I'm not going to say kind of. We had let ourselves create some of that on the fly as we were there and responding to people's needs. And, and we didn't know, like, A, would it work for us? And B, would it work for them, right? Like, how are people going to feel about that? Are we going to seem half-assed? I don't know. We didn't know. But it worked brilliantly. And it just felt really, really good to both of us and really easy. And that's that's the, the click I think we're both looking for. You know, if we're going to it's one thing we have our own things down. We have, we both run businesses we really love rolling around in, but if we're going to do something together, it's got to add to that, right? And and we're not talking, I mean, financially sure, but it's got to be like it's got to be uplifting. It's got to give us both something more than we're getting just being alone. That sounds that sounds amazing. And and I mean, I've heard from people who've just come back and they they definitely had an amazing time, so whatever strategy you use, like it worked. Like, you know, be, do deciding things on the fly. It worked, clearly. Kirsty, you said earlier on, I want to like go back to what you said, where when you were thinking about past you, you can't have imagined you having the confidence to go up to Amy, who was then who was your then coach, and say, Hey, you want to start a business together? <laughs> so you are definitely like not that same person. I feel like you are I, I don't know, you tell me. I, but I feel like from the outside, you're super confident. How do you feel now when you look at your kind of partnership with Amy? Amy, who is is also my coach as well and was for a while and still is. I feel like, Amy, you are one of those mentors who will always be my mentor, whether we're working together closely at a specific time or not. How do you feel now working with Amy, knowing that Amy has, like she said, like 30 decades of entrepreneurial experience? Do you still feel, I don't know if intimidated is the right word, or... Whatever it was you were feeling back then, do you still feel like that? No, I really don't. And I think the feeling at the time was, as I mentioned earlier, like, holy shit, like Amy Posner wants to work with me. And it did feel like I was kind of riding coattails, not in the sense of like not splitting the work equally, because I think we've always done that really well, but more like I'm going to get a lot more visibility from this because I'm just starting to like hit my stride and Amy's so established. Obviously, I still haven't been in business anywhere near the amount of time that Amy has been in, but I definitely feel like, I don't know, I just feel like we're equals because I just feel like everything we do together is so beautifully shared. So, it just feels very natural. And I think as Amy said, like whenever we work together, you know, it's really easy and light and enjoyable. So I think all of those things fold into the partnership just feeling really good and really easy and and there's no more of that, I don't know if it was intimidation, but no more of that like holy shit factor, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Well, I want to move on to what I brought you here for. Are you ready to get to the meat of this episode? ready of course okay let's do it Kirsty and Amy what is the mistake that made you 
So the mistake that made us was doing for our together business something that we would never, ever, ever let our clients do. Okay, I'm intrigued. Like I thought, I thought I knew what your mistake was going to be, but that's like, that's a little bit different to what I was expecting. Okay, so let's go back a little bit. Let's start from the beginning. What is this thing that you did that you would never let your clients do? We mentioned earlier that we launched a program together. It was at the start of 2020 and it was called Business Badassery and it was an online group program to help people do the next thing in their business to work out what it was and then to actually action it and make it real. And we were so excited about working together that we got so caught up in that that the way we launched it was something that neither of us would ever have like okayed with from a strategy perspective for a client. So the first launch of that program absolutely flopped. I think we sold two spots. Oh, this is so interesting. Okay. So what exactly did you do for this launch? Like what was the launch plan? What was the launch strategy? What did it look like? And just to be clear, this was a, well, this was a group coaching program, right? Yes. Okay. Right. And we were looking for what, maybe something in the range 15, 20 people yes. in the program? Yeah. Right. And so, so we had those, those two people at first and then we looked at each other and we were like, we didn't make a plan. We really did not, we did not have a strategy. It's embarrassing to admit. It's sort of surprising to admit. And, I, but this is a weird thing. I mean, wow. We both see this over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, right? How it's so difficult to do for yourself what you do so naturally for clients. You know, and I said to Kirsty, I mean, she's, you know, she's, she's a launch expert. Like if her client had come to her with this, she would have been like, yeah, that's very cute. Mm -hmm. good, good for you. No, we're not doing it anything like that. But we really got very caught up in the moment. And, you know, it's like, oh, we'll just send out a letter and people will know and they'll, they'll want to do this because they'll understand how great it is. And it's like, that just defies every piece of business sense that we have, actually. So, but, but what that brought us to is we, so we had to, we had to put our heads together and say, okay, you know, this flopped. Like, what do we want to do? Are we committed to it? Are we committed to one another? Do we go hide our heads in the sand? What do we do? Okay. We're going to get to that in a second because I'm still like stuck on this part where you guys launched <laughs> and had no plan because you, you two make your clients a lot of money. Like, you know what you're doing. And so it really is that case of like, we do it for everyone else, but maybe we just kind of forgot when it came to our thing. So you obviously have thought of what this group coaching program is going to be. You've planned it. You know what it is. I think you had the sales page done, right? You created a sales page for it. We had a very dodgy sales page. Like it possibly okay. wasn't the one that you saw in the, in the okay. second launch. Yes. Okay. So that's interesting because I didn't know if you remembered that you, Amy, specifically spoke to me about this program at the time. So from my perspective, let me tell you how it was from my perspective. I, this was, was this 2020? Was this 2020? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So COVID had just hit. My things were not going well in my business. <laughs> I was making very little money with the nursery's clothes. My son was at home with me. I was making very little money. Things had just started to pick up like in the winter. And then I was starting to kind of do well again, but it was still, you know, a little bit touch and go. I wasn't sure if it was just like a fluke, like is everything okay again? Or, you know, is is this just a fluke type thing? And then Amy messages me, private DMs me and invites me personally 
to join this program. And when Amy Posner DMs you personally and invites you to a program, you join the damn program. But I could not join the program because I did not have the funds. <laughs> and so I was devastated at the time. I was like, this is insane. I didn't even know that you knew who I was, Amy, at that point. I didn't even know that you knew who I was. So I was like blown away. Like kind of like the reaction Kirsty had like, oh my gosh, really? I exist to you? So I checked out the sales page and it sounded great to me. I just, I just didn't have the money. I couldn't join. So I do remember reading the sales page. So that's how I know you had one. But that's all you had. What about like, what? so what about emails? Any emails? Did any emails go out? Anything? Anything else? <laughs> so we, we did start by just individually inviting people who we thought would be cool to work with. And again, we were so caught up in our excitement of working together that we forgot that, you know, these people, like to them, us together as a partnership was brand new. And we yeah. didn't like bother explaining like the value or the potential value of that we'd like you know it's like here's this idea we'd love you in it that's it when we realized that we were not going to fill up the program with those personal invites we then did send out some emails to our lists but again there was no strategy in fact I remember (laughs) this is such a funny memory so it was just after Christmas 2019 so the very beginning of 2020 it was kind of pre pre pre-covid Pre-COVID, yeah, it would have been because the first case is in February, I think. And it was the summer of really bad bushfires here in Australia. So I remember in my little apartment recording an FAQ video with you, Amy, while there was like all this crazy smoke outside. And I think even in hindsight, I would love to find that video now because I suspect even in that video. (laughs) But we were like, oh, people must have questions and objections because no one's joining. I suspect we didn't really do a good job of addressing those I think we just had a good yarn and the thing is I can imagine that because you two get on so well I can imagine you just getting on the mic and just having a great time (laughs) just having a whole load of fun (laughs) oh my gosh okay so so these two people join and you think well I guess is that when you realize like we don't have a plan like we need to we need to like get something together is that the point at which you realized (laughs) Yes, we realized, but I also think it was like a strangely slow realization because we were so jazzed about this offer and about working together. Like, it's going to be awesome. And then we were like, shit, no one else can see how awesome it's going to be. We've only got these two like diehard fans. <laughs> uh, and I also want to say they like, were diehard. <laughs> I love that they were diehard. Just like, yeah. <laughs> well, they just trusted us enough without any like, appropriate marketing to be like, I'm in. And I don't know how that happened. Anyway, and I want to add too that like, I was so embarrassed when we had the realization, not only because I'm a launch copywriter and like, this is my worst launch ever and it is my own, but also this is my chance to work with Amy mother Posner. (laughs) And I like, I failed. So for me, it was, I was I was absolutely mortified, so mortified. I can't even like put it into words. <laughs> and here I am thinking like, and I'm thinking, well, why? Why didn't you want to work with me? Look what I brought you into. <laughs> Instead, you're going like, this is the experience. Oh my gosh. So, Amy, what was on your mind? What was happening inside your mind at that point? What were you thinking? You know, it's so, it, it's so hard to, Imagine this now, but same thing Kirsty said, just really embarrassed. Like, like, 
like, what were we thinking? How did we forget? And how did we, you know, how did we break the rules? Because, I mean, not only did we know the rules, but we've been teaching other people the rules, right? I mean, <laughs> and not just clients, but, but, you know, other people we work with. I mean, it's just, it's so, there's just, there's some huge irony in there because we know this happens all the time. And I think once I was done being embarrassed, I was like, okay. Okay, I see how this happens, and this is probably a good, a good, you know, a good cautionary tale. Mm-hmm. So the two people that did join, did you let them know that they were the only two people who joined? Yeah, because and we I sure I, did. I, I suspect the conversation sort of turning now into like what we did with this huge glaring error, yeah, and mistake. <laughs> but I think once we realised, like, we're not going to get any more than these two people if we continue with our no strategy strategy you know we have two choices here we can either refund both of them and like probably put it into our partnership because what a bad start to working together or we can because we believe so much in the value of this thing that we have created (laughs) our failure here has not been in the offer it's been in the marketing of the offer we can publicly Mm -hmm. acknowledge we can of course let those two people know first hey you were the only two people who joined. We're so sorry. Thank you for believing in this offer. We believe in it too. We're going to relaunch it. We're going to push the start date out by like four weeks, I think it was, if that's okay with you. And we're going to do this thing properly. And and that's the path we chose. Oh, I love that because, oh, I love that. I'm such a people pleaser that I would be, I think I would have felt pressured to go through with it with just those two people and like, and just be like, oh, I'm okay. I'm just going to do it. Either that or I would have completely given up and then just refunded them. But I love that you were confident enough to say, look, this is what we're going to do. We're going to push it back and we're going to try again. I love that. Okay, we'll talk about the again launch in a second. But if you were telling your client how to launch, what is the first thing you would tell them to do that you didn't do? For anyone who's not, you know, versed in launches, what is what should you have done? I mean, I think like the, the biggest bare bones thing is like have a strategy. We didn't even have a strategy, <laughs> like, you know. And so, of course, because we didn't have one, we hadn't thought through any of the pieces that make launches work. We hadn't thought about, okay, how are we going to build a launch list for this thing? What stage of awareness is our ideal client at? Who even is the ideal client beyond like these individual names that we want to invite? So we didn't even have that. And then, of course, once you can build that picture and work out their stage of awareness and what they're thinking about, et cetera, and, and what they're really wanting, then you can start to build out that pre-launch content and you can work out how to get them to the point where they're going to see the offer and feel like, yes, I really want this. This is perfect. I'm ready for this. So, like, <laughs> we did nothing. We did none of that. <laughs> Amy, did you want to add something? No, it's the exact same thing. I mean, I just think about, I I wouldn't even start a client without knowing that that work was possible, right? I wouldn't take a project on unless I knew that that was going to be a component of it because in my view, it it, it just has way less of a chance of being successful if you don't do your, you know, proper audience research. I mean, that's what we do, right? So, Mm -hmm. hello. Crazy. Yes. very crazy. I think it's like the equivalent of a client coming to you and saying, Hey, yeah, I want to launch this thing, but all I really need is for you to write a sales page. And then I think that's fine. And then as soon as like you as a service provider ask any questions, like, Oh, okay. I'm just curious about like, you know, what are your goals for this launch? And maybe they could answer that like 15 to 20 people. Okay. 
And like, how big's your audience? I think as soon as anyone would have asked us that question, we would have been like, oh yeah, like no one really knows about us as a partnership yet. So I guess in that respect, we don't really have a ready audience. <laughs> like, so we didn't even get to that point. Wow. <laughs> That's so interesting. I didn't even think about that because I'm thinking individually, you both have audiences, very loyal audiences, but you're thinking about your audience together. I never considered that that's a third audience. That's so interesting. Well, nor had we. <laughs> wow, there we go. <laughs> I, I mean, to, to, to be fair, I think that, you know, people who did join the program obviously had come from either of our audience, but yeah, I guess they had not had an experience of us together in any sense at all. So, and you know, some of them didn't know me, a few of them didn't know Amy. So it's, you know, so in that way, yes, we had our own audiences and I think that's where people came from, but we hadn't introduced them to the idea of us together as a partnership. So there was a gaping hole there. <laughs> okay. And how did those two people respond, by the way, when you said, look, we want to push it back and we want to relaunch? What was their reaction? They were brilliant, really easy. That, you know, we'll, we'll stick around. We're happy to do it. Look, how can we help? You know, what can we say? I, I think actually they let us use their what they had to say about why they joined if i remember correctly yeah they um, did they let us use social. their intake forms as social proof and we also offered them just an additional no extra charge at all two-on-one session an hour-long session oh. just to be like thank you for believing in this and we are so sorry that we have messed this launch up how can we support you in the meantime so they sort of got off to a bit of a head start in some ways and yeah like amy said they were so generous and cool with it and they didn't waver as well I kind of expected that maybe they might be like yeah I'd actually just prefer a refund but that was not even conversation so yeah yeah I love that I was just gonna say like did did you not worry that they would be like oh wait no one else has joined this like <laughs> oops like have I made a mistake type of thing or were you did you know that it'd be okay Neither. I think we just felt like we had to tell the truth and this is where we were at. And if, cause one of the things that we discussed at the, at the point of realizing that we only had two people and the thing was starting any minute, et cetera, was, you know, are we going to push forward? Are we going to cancel it? You know, do like, there are all a lot of factors to consider. Like, is, is this a, you know, is this a Kirsty Amy production? And maybe this is not such a good, a good thing after all. Or like, you know, we just didn't know. And we had to really look at it and look at each other and say, okay, do we believe in it or don't we? And what are we going to do? And I can't remember, I don't know which one of us came up with the the idea or if we came up with it simultaneously. But it's like, let's just tell the story. Let's just be transparent, tell the truth and redo it. And we'll either fill it or we won't, but we haven't filled it now. So, and it's interesting because in retrospect, I think if we hadn't pushed through, we wouldn't be here right now. I think that probably, we probably would have, you know, we'd still be friends. We would have gone our own ways more and it would have been okay, but it wouldn't be what it is for sure. Okay. I love that. I think this is a nice kind of place to move on to the second part of this, which is, okay, so you launched, you launched this thing without a plan, which you would never do for your own clients. Two people joined. And <laughs> now we're looking back at this. Tell me, how did this mistake make you? Well, I think it's what Amy just said. I think had we not made that mistake, we wouldn't have so quickly had to work out our values as business owners, of which I think transparency and honesty are pretty high up there for both of us. And 
we wouldn't be sitting here today. We wouldn't have just gone to Mexico. We wouldn't have had a podcast together. So what it caused us to do was to look really more closely at our values, like individually and together and, and decide what, what was it that we were trying to bring to life here, right? Was it, you know, our partnership? So we could do something together. Was it to deliver some kind of value, you know, into the marketplace? Was it a combination? And how did we both feel about publicly admitting that we, well, or we were embarrassed that we messed up, that we just did something that was kind of stupid and kind of like surprisingly stupid. But I think we also, are both confident enough to realize like, okay, you know, we're just people, we did something stupid and we know that people do this particular thing all the time. Like, oh, look, we fell into the trap too. And so there's like, there's good intelligence in that, I think, and good, and good knowledge. And neither of us were, you know, ashamed or embarrassed of saying, hey, this is how we screwed up. This is how we're going to fix it. Let's see if that's the journey. And I think that really solidified our friendship and our relationship and our partnership because it was like, what kept happening with us is like, I think we, you know, it's like, <laughs> we're just like approaching each other sort of tentatively. And then we keep ticking these boxes, right? It'd be like, I don't know, is she going to go all the way over there? Yep. You're going to come here. Yep. 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 And it's like everything that we, the way that we move in the world and the way that we want to do things just lines up so well that I think it, it I don't know, it kind of gives us energy or, or, or something. It propels us, I think. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think it's one thing to make this kind of decision on your own, to really publicly own up to like what's such an embarrassing mistake. But it's another thing to know that someone else is going to be there with you and they're fully in it and they're like kind of happy to do it. Because I think as well for both of us, you know, even at this, like the very beginning of us working together, I think there's been that seed that we are both people who want to do business in the way that feels good for us so that we're bucking the, you know, at the time probably, probably less so now, I think there's a bit of a trend towards like vulnerability shares on social media. But, you know, I think at the time perhaps it was not the done thing to like pull back the veneer and be like, yeah, we messed up. This did not work. So I think there's definitely an energy that comes from finding that you're in partnership with someone who is so willing to do that and to go there and to just be really vulnerable and honest, I think, you know, with our world. And how did people react? Not just the people who joined the program, but I mean, like, people. <laughs> how did uh, how did everyone else react to you just being so open and honest about this kind of mistake? So well. I actually looked through, because I still have the post on Instagram, which I'm very happy to share the link if anyone wants it, but that sort of announces the fact that we absolutely made a mistake and we're going to go again. We're going to launch this thing properly because we believe in it. And the comments on that post are amazing and they're so supportive and almost celebrating the fact that we are owning up to the mistake. So yeah, the response was phenomenal. I just felt very like held, which sounds so weird and like so touchy-feely for like, you know emails and Instagram, but I feel like that was the response. So that also helped, I think, you know, just remind both of us probably of, you know, who our people actually are. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. And actually you gave me the link and I will put the link in the show notes to the Instagram post where you announced this, but I do just want to read just like a little bit of it just to like really help people, you know, see this whole situation unfolding in their mind. Okay. Kirsty says, I'm cringing as I write this, but here we go. Business Badassery, aka the Get Ish Done Incubator I promoted in my last post, it didn't fill up to the point where it was profitable. And that is totally on Amy and me, really. 
We thought we'd fill it via invitations we sent out the week before Christmas to people we were already working with and got so caught up in the excitement of that that we didn't build any sort of funnel for legends like you. So I won't read the whole thing, but I was just having a quick look at some of the comments and some of them are just so, they're all just so lovely. Uh, Belinda Weaver says, who has been on this podcast, I love your point about being too close to a thing that you miss the obvious. A great reminder. Other people said, thank you so much for your honesty. Cheers to being human. Kirsty, you and Amy are such inspirations in awe of both your courage and strength to own up to a less than ideal launch. And you're right. This was before vulnerability kind of became a thing. Like we weren't used to people sharing stuff like this. So it really was a big deal. It was. So then what happens after that? You've posted this and and you've decided that you're going to give yourself four weeks to relaunch and then go again. So what happened the second time round? So we put together a webinar with some of the ideas from the program, ran that, did a proper sales page, had some proper follow-up emails like, you know, like you do in a launch. We created the, you know, the various elements that we needed. And we, we did it in pretty short order, obviously, because we, we needed to turn it around quickly. But we had the content. So it was really just a question of, you know, organizing it and being willing to have egg on our face. Is. And, and I how think did we, we filled it up, didn't we? Did we get, or was it 18 people? Oh, yeah. We did. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a really wow. successful launch. Was- yeah. <laughs> that's amazing and I think the amazing thing about that for people to hear too is that the offer didn't change at all there were no tweaks it's, to the offer it was literally the launch around it <laughs> that's mind-blowing wow wow the exact same offer nothing changed two people during the first time round you go back to the drawing board figure out a strategy launch properly and you get 18 people inside that's amazing yeah, it felt pretty good. Yeah, we were, we were, we were pretty pleased. It's like, okay, good. We, we did this. We can do this. There, there is, there is fuel here. Yeah. And the program itself was also like amazing. You know, I think that's also good too. Like we obviously attracted the very much the perfect people for the program. And yeah. So yeah, not only was it a successful launch, it was a successful program. I mean, I'm just trying to put myself in that position. And I feel like if that had been me, I mean, I like to think I wouldn't have, but I probably would have just thought, okay, nobody wants this. So how do you, how do you know when it's time to give up or when you just need to just try again? How do you know? I don't know that you always do. I think in this instance, we really were determined to work together. We really wanted to do this thing. And we, and I think we believed in it. I, mean, I don't think we did. I know we did, but I think I say, I think because we hadn't done it yet. Right. So you, you know, you put it together with the, you know, ideal people are going to get certain results. And I think, I don't know. I, and I suspect this, I'm going to say this for me. And I suspect there's some of this is true for you too, Kirsty. I don't like to lose. You know, I like to figure things out. It's like, I felt like this was good and like it, it deserved a life in the world. And damn it, we were going to see if we could like bring it to life and, and look at the fact that it was, you know, that it was still, it was still good. And it just, and it had value. But, you know, if people don't know something has value, they don't buy it, which is like, you know, the sort of like the bottom, like rock bottom philosophy of what we all do and create for clients. And so maybe there was that too, like a little vindication, like, okay, we got to, we got to do this right. We got to prove to ourselves that we, you know, we, we don't just do this for clients. We can do it for us too. So, I mean, it sounds like it went amazingly the second time around, 
But as far as I know, and correct me if I'm wrong, you haven't launched it again since, right? So what was like the decision-making process around not doing it again since it, it was so successful? Yes, yeah, such a good question. So we haven't run it again. And I think the thing was, it was really successful for the people in it. For us as facilitators of that space, it wasn't a profitable offer. And we, I think I, I think we only realized why that was like the week before we went to Mexico, because Amy made this comment when we were planning. She was like, you know, we only each have to be 50% for this Mexico retreat. And that is, we, we did not do that for the online program. We were both giving 100% which meant that just in a pure business sense, you know, we each could have made the same amount of profit that we made from that program just doing our individual programs, me doing a round of brain camp and Amy doing whatever you were doing at that point in time. Maybe it was copy clinic. I can't remember. So that's why we haven't offered it again. So even though the people inside got a lot out of it and, you know, the feedback was phenomenal, we made the call that it wasn't a good fit for us in terms of profitability. See, I love that because I feel like so many business owners don't have the ability to do that, to let go of something that is successful and that is working because it doesn't, it's not serving you. That's really powerful. No, it's a tough call to make too. Yeah, I can imagine. Did anyone else, did anyone ask for it afterwards? I imagine some people were like, well, when are you going to bring that thing back? When, when are you going to do that program again? Yeah, definitely. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> it was a one-off. <laughs> we launched it twice and offered it once. <laughs> uh, well, they had two chances to join, so it's their fault, really. <laughs> it's right. It was out there for a while, really. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I feel like this is the most I've laughed on a, on a podcast interview. Okay. So after the program, you, you, you run it one time and you now have a podcast. You've done the retreat. Like it's a, it, so many other things have come from this, from that one experience. So what was it that kind of led you to start, I guess, experimenting and trying different things? Was that always the plan that you were just, that you're going to try loads of different things? No, I, I don't think it was always the plan. No. I, I mean, for me, and, and I don't know, Amy, we haven't actually spoken about this, so maybe you have a different take, but I feel like it was almost like Business Badassery, the group coaching program, was a test for both of us in terms of how do we actually work together. And obviously, financially, mm-hmm. that didn't that wasn't a value add necessarily for either of us, that program. But I think, you know, getting to know each other and getting to work with each other obviously was a value add because we did want to find a way to continue to have that opportunity. I think the podcast came about because, as Amy said, I was reluctant to do much else at that point in time, which is quite funny. And I think the retreat came about, like Amy said, partly because we wanted to see each other in person again. And it was the first time we've worked together in person as well, which was phenomenal. And also partly because we wanted to see if this was something that we could actually you know, offer again in future. So I think it's more just an evolution of sort of a deeper sense of knowing each other, a deeper understanding of how we work together, and then a deeper understanding too of who we want to serve and how we want to do that and working out, okay, well, what shape fits that now? Is that Mm -hmm. what you feel too, Amy? Because I might have, you might have a totally different take. (laughs) 
No, I, I very, very much the same. And I remember specifically with the podcast, I mean, you know, we said earlier in the episode, like it, it needed to, there needed to be some ease and it needed to be fun for us. But as you've probably heard through various things we've said, we also both like to be profitable, right? We're not, you know, we don't like to just do things for fun in business anyway. And, but we never, we have not monetized the pod really yet. I mean, we have in a, in a sort of very backdoor way, but that was something that we were both okay with. It's like, okay, let's just do this and we'll build, you know, this sort of reputation or brand or whatever it is together as us. And then, you know, someday it'll serve us or it won't. I mean, in other words, we'll either expand on that and we'll have built something, a reputation that we can now build something on or, you know, or we will have had fun and maybe delivered some value and that's cool too. So I don't, there was never, there's never a particular plan. And I think and it's just funny, Kirsty, to hear you say like, oh, that, that like that Kirsty wouldn't have done that. I mean, things have changed just so radically, like in your life and in the world and in both of our lives and our offers. So it's just, I don't know. I mean, the, the fact that we came back around to, to where we are now, it was not planned, but it's brilliant in my view. Not sure where it's going now either. Next, but we're, we're talking. Oh, damn, you hit on my next question, Amy, <laughs> which was, can you share any plans for the future? Have you spoken about the future? What might happen? So like Amy said, we don't have any real concrete ideas. I think it's very safe to say that we will offer some more in-person retreats again. Um, we kind of in had this, well, <laughs> I was laughing when you said that earlier because we have this vague plan of like, I mean, the place we're in in Mexico was amazing. So maybe we go there like every third year and then we have one in Australia and then one in Europe and we just repeat that pattern. <laughs> so it's possible. I, I can live with that. <laughs> and beyond that, I mean, we also, we have some other ideas that aren't, I don't think they're formed enough yet to talk about them with any sort of useful <laughs> words. So maybe we'll leave that. But I guess just to say that we are definitely planning on continuing to work together and something beyond the podcast. Oh, exciting. <laughs> Keeping us um, yeah, on our toes, Kirsty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's exciting for us too. I mean, it was it's exciting for us too. We're just starting to think about that. And particularly having been at the retreat, it'll be interesting for us to get feedback and see, you know, what, what, do, what do other people see, you know, as the value of us together? And we got some sense of that. And I think we... We created something that really works, but it'll, it'll be interesting to sort of dig into that and see what, you know, what threads we can pull and where we might want to go to, I don't know, to sort of, sort of keep doing that. Cause, you know, it feels great. It really works. And when it really works and feels great, it's like, I want more of that. Mm -hmm. Okay. I have to ask because it sounds like you work so well together. Is there anything that is difficult? Is there any part of this, like working with someone else that's hard? International payments really suck. Mm. Gonna say it's just logistics, I think. Like, you know, because I'm an Australian name is in the States, different tax laws and setting up that kind of stuff, that's really hard. Oh, but like in terms of us yeah. working together and doing the actual work, I'm gonna sound so annoying, but no. <laughs> Unless Amy, you're like, oh no, there's like, let me start my list. <laughs> there's this thing that Kirsty does that drives me crazy, and I've been waiting to air in, in public. No, there's really I mean, th this is the thing. It's like we really, and I just, I get such a kick out of this. We just really see eye to eye. I mean, so we have, it's not like one of us is ever going like so far, you know, in one direction. The other one's like, like, where did this come from? But it also means that we can collaborate really well. And I think we've gotten pretty good at that. We both, we're both very fast and mm. we're both, I don't know, I, we have a similar style and neither of us gets too hung up on 
much, I think. And like what, you know, neither of us is particularly perfectionist or worried. And I think there's a lot of, there, we've developed a lot of trust too, because we've, we've had the, you know, the experience of being very careful and like, could I do this? And would this be okay? And will you, and, you know, and, and every time it's like, yeah, of course, of course, of course, of course, of course. So we've just like expanded sort of this, I don't know, this, this sort of trust that serves us really well. And I would say too, and I know, I know that Amy keeps saying we see eye to eye and we do, but I also want to add that it's not like we're not both coming with the same ideas. So it's also an expansion of, you know, there's definitely, like Amy said, the third mind, but it's we feel trusting and safe enough to be like, hey, here's this weird thing I've been thinking about. Like, what do you think about this? And then we can sort of come to that together. And we always seem to end up in the same place. So it's still, there's definitely still open discussion and, you know, Often one of us will ask something and we'll be like, come on, like, we're not going to do that. No. And that's, and then we laugh, like, you know, so it's not like we're just like this lovely, agreeable, like, you know, hive mind that just thinks the same things over and over. It just, there's also some expansiveness in there, which I think is really important for a partnership to work. That's all. Mm-hmm. Well, I was just going to say, I think because of that, and I think that's like a thing that you either have or you don't. I don't know. Maybe it can be developed, but I think because of that synergy, it allows you to do bigger things because we're not, you know, I've, I've worked with other people where you're hung up on a lot of the logistics or are you going to agree or who's going to do that or will they, you know, like all those things mm-hmm. that just seem to have not gotten in our way. I feel like just you that. two are the right people to ask because, I mean, it sounds like you have a great experience working together. Me and a friend of mine are considering doing something together. Do you have any tips or advice for us in terms of making it work, like making a partnership? you know, go smoothly and just just work well? I think it's really important. Maybe I'd have two two like tidbits for you. I think just be as open as possible from the get-go because holding something back or being polite, it might, you know, help you like circumvent a more meaty conversation at that point in time, but it's not going to serve you long-term at all. So I think from the get-go, be as open and honest as you can. And I would also say, I think like any good partnership, whether it is a business partnership or whether you're, you know, hiring a new employee, whatever that might be, I think thinking through in terms of if there's any possibility of like a trial period is a good thing too. So like for Amy and I, you know, we didn't have any plans beyond Business Badass through the program when we first decided to work together. It was like, let's do this thing together. Because I think then once you're in the thick of doing the thing, if you then realize this is actually feeling quite laborious and heavy and maybe we're not actually as, you know, well-matched as partners as I thought we might be, then you have an, an easier out or, an, or a good point of reflection and refinement, if nothing else. I like that. I like that. So don't tie yourself down for like, for years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think it's also good to anticipate. I, I think it's good to anticipate what might come up or like where you know your sticky points are, right? Like if like if you have a sticky point with time or money or like I like I can't I can't abide people who don't do what they say they're gonna do, as an example. You know, if I found out that that was true of Kirsty, it just wouldn't be worth it to me because I'd be aggravated all the time. So like just I think it's worth bringing up these little peccadillos and like like how do you feel about that? Especially if it's like, you know, if it's your weak spot or if, if it's yeah and, and and particularly I think it's there's there's ego and there's money, right? Those are those are the the two things that that you have to be aware of. And so, like, what are what are your you know what kinds of things trip you up and just talk about them. And then I guess, I think the money part you get a you know you get a sense of as you go. Like, you know, as long as you can trust somebody, I, for me, it's okay for people to do things their their own way. 
But yeah. Amazing. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to well, I won't give anything away, but we had we've been talking about this for like 5 6 months and we said we'd we'd think about it and then come back to it in like quarter 1 of of 2023. So we've given ourselves time to really think about whether this is what we want to do. <laughs> because I feel like we started our businesses because we liked our independence. So, I don't know. It's going to it'll be interesting. Like it feels a little bit scary to let go of some of that like independence like you said i'm a, I'm a lone wolf as well so i think maybe that's what's a bit a bit scary yes yes well i think too like because you're a lone wolf like both of us like the partnership will have to be really bloody good for it to work mm. for both of you which is good right because if it does work it's going to be amazing and i'm so intrigued about what this is <laughs> i'll tell you when we get off recording but yeah, i just can't tell the whole world right now because i can't put that kind of pressure on me but as soon as we we stop recording i'll tell you so i mean this has been such an interesting conversation and i think as well it's so good to know that even experts in this in this very field make mistakes like you know it's i was really hard on myself just a couple of days ago because i was in the middle of my launch and made like a silly mistake with like emails and segmentation and, and tags and all that nonsense and I was really you know hard on myself and I was just like why why you know why did you do this you literally email is your thing forgetting that you know the technical side of email is actually not my thing like I don't enjoy all the tags and the segmentation and all that stuff so it, it's really helpful for me listening to know that you know it happens we make mistakes just don't <laughs> don't give up doesn't mean that you know everything was wrong it might have just been like that one small piece that needed kind of refining and in your case it was just it was a strategy and then it was and then it was done so good to know okay let me move on to my final question what do you want others to learn from your experience and there's a few things that are popping up for me one is one is the, is the go slow, you know, I, I, as, as I've been listening to us and I'm thinking, you know, I think pacing yourself when you make business decisions, but also like mm, being willing to take a risk, but kind of, you know, just harking back to what Kirsty just said, like, well, but within parameters, right? Within limits, like you do, you try something for, you, you try something experimentally or you try something for a certain period of time. And I think also that it's really quite common to make the kind of mistake that we made, even in something that you're expert at. And I think it's really important to not let that shatter or shake your confidence in your ability or your knowledge, but just realize that sometimes, well, we all make mistakes. I mean, that's just, you know, that's just what happens, but that the, it's, it, it's okay to make those mistakes as long as you own what you, what you're doing. You know, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think that's perfectly a perfectly fine way to move in the world. So I think, and, and I, I'll just, let me, I'll just put a little extra piece on that because I think too many of us, you know, like someone doesn't like something or it doesn't work or it's not, you know, someone comments and like suddenly like, you know, your whole self-identity crashes like, oh, I'm not as good as I thought I was, or I can't do this. Um, it's really easy to let that outside influence impact what you do. And I think it's just not always relevant. So I think to just like kind of keep your core, you know, stick to your ideas, believe, defend, defend what you do, believe in what you do, put stuff out that you believe in and, and stand behind it and like know that you're going to inevitably screw up and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And Kirsty, what about you? 
say yes to all of those things. And I feel like I want to add two more. I feel like one is don't be afraid to own your mistakes. And that's such a big part of why I love this podcast, Ramon, because I just feel like it's such a good conversation to have. And I love that it's permission for, you know, all of us to stop pretending we're perfect and we only ever do good, correct things. I feel like, you know, if you're open to it, there's such a value that can come from just owning things and being transparent and not in a way like that there has to always be a happy ending attached to the end of it. Like when I put that post on Instagram, I didn't know if the second launch was going to work. It, it might have flopped as well. And then, you know, jokes on me again, I guess. <laughs> but I think also within that, like sort of what Amy said, I think, you know, it's such a skill to be able to tune out all the noise And I think for us, if we hadn't done that, it would have been easy to just abandon that project. But because we both were able to tune into why we had created that offer and the value that we really believed it had, it made the other decisions a lot easier. And I think a lot of that noise too can be our own self-doubt. So like you said, you know, you made that mistake with your segmentation or your tagging yesterday and straight away you went to the like, (laughs) you know, oh, like you're such an idiot. Why'd you do that? And I think a lot of that is noise too. So being able to just really work out what is noise and what is true for you. And I think the more you're able to do that, you know, the easier it is to find the path in this crazy world of business. (laughs) Mm -hmm. One of the things that just really jumps out at me from this whole conversation is the fact that you were both so open and honest about this. And again, we spoke about the fact that that wasn't really the done thing back then. So it was, you know, it was a big deal. Today, however... I feel like openness and I want to say like vulnerability to an extent is almost used as a marketing tool, right? To sell, to, it's, it's like I'm being vulnerable. Like me, buy from me. I don't know. You know, it just, it doesn't feel genuine anymore. It doesn't feel sincere. So how do we, how do we still share what's going on? How do we share our mistakes publicly? And it just still be sincere and it feels sincere, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of that is, to me, the answer of the question of who is this for? Because I think for a lot of those people who are at the moment almost like weaponizing vulnerability as a marketing tool, like the vulnerability isn't, isn't for the audience, it's for them. It's for them to make more money, to sell more things. Whereas like in this example, mm-hmm. I think the reason we were vulnerable and open is to let people know what was going on. Because we'd publicly tried to launch this thing. So it's, you know, just being honest with our audience. Like, hey, you would have seen us promote this thing in the last week. You know, it didn't work. So I think for me, that is sort of how you answer that question. Okay. I love that. Yeah, it feels a little bit like it's like, is it vulnerability as manipulation as and as a tactic? Or is it vulnerability in sharing something for for a reason that isn't manipulative that isn't trying to get something from you and i i i mean i can't say 100% but i feel like almost 100% you can tell the difference instantly right when somebody's telling you something real or somebody's telling you something because they're trying to like get you to feel something in order to buy into something it doesn't feel at all sincere it feels very you know it it feels like that that marketing that we all hate you know that in your face it's just a different way of doing it, mm. you know? Absolutely. I mean, what's real works and it doesn't matter if it's about telling the truth or about being vulnerable. I mean, you know, people's, people's bullshit meter is pretty well refined. They know what they're looking at. 
Yeah. And actually it was Kirsty that taught me this in brain camp that, I mean, I felt this, right? But I could never, I felt this, but I could never communicate it and I could never verbalize it. And you, you verbalized it inside brain camp. You said, you know, when people overshare, it actually can have the opposite effect. It can actually make you not trust them and make them really distrustful of, of them. Because like Amy said, you can sense it immediately. And so this whole new age of just like trauma dumping on people, like I open LinkedIn and I'm traumatized at night, like genuinely traumatized at 9am because someone has like trauma dumped their entire life. Like I wasn't ready for this at 9am on LinkedIn, you know, it's a lot and it can actually have the complete opposite effect. So when I, when you taught me that Kirsty, I was like, boom, mind blown. That's exactly what it is. So it's really interesting, like trying to find that level of like, yes, we're people and we're business owners and we like to tell stories and we like to share what's going on. But also there's a line and we have to try and like figure out where that line is. It's fascinating stuff. It is. It really is. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for coming on the show. I'm so excited you both came. And I, re- I couldn't decide whether well, I knew that I wanted both of you, but I was like, do I have them individually or do I get them on here together? And I was like, no, 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 definitely together. So I'm glad that we did it this way. Thank you so much for being here. Can you tell everyone listening where they can find you if they want to stay connected? Yeah, of course. So if you go to businessbadass.co slash podcast, you'll find all of our podcast episodes there as well as a submission form. So uh, as we mentioned, the podcast is an agony aunt. So if you have something that you're stuck on or a question or a conundrum that you want, I guess our coaching on via podcast episode, you can actually submit that question or conundrum there. You can also find us on iTunes and Spotify. And of course, individually, I'm at kirstyfanton.com or at kirsty.fanton on Instagram. And I'm at amyposner.com and amyrposner on Instagram, where you'll never find me, but you can, but you can find me. <laughs> can I just say the podcast is fantastic. So do go and listen to it. And Amy, your Cut the Copy YouTube channel is brilliant as well. So people go listen to Amy as well on, on YouTube because that series is fantastic. I'll put all the links in the show notes so everyone can find you. <laughs> Super. Yeah, easy. Okay. Well, thank you both so much for being here. I've had launch flops, but I have never publicly gone out of my way to tell everyone about it. One of the many things that amazed me in this conversation was the honesty and openness Amy and Kirsty demonstrated when they shared their launch mistake with the world. They were so confident in their abilities as business owners that they didn't let this one okay, kind of major mistake, derail their entire launch or their new business partnership. Instead, their reaction was proportionate. They admitted they'd made a mistake, that they could have done things better. Then they gave themselves time to regroup to identify their mistake so they could avoid making the same one again. And then they came up with an action plan that would lead them to launch success. They gave themselves grace. They were compassionate to themselves. And they understood that this one bad experience didn't mean that together business was over. It makes me think about how our own reaction to an event is actually the determining factor in what happens next. Business is hard. If it was easy, everyone would have one. Mistakes are inevitable. The question is, how are you going to react when you make yours? You're going to give up? Or... 
are you going to find a way to get it together and keep it moving? Just like Amy and Kirsty did. You're listening to Mistakes That Made Me. I'm Iman Ismail. And if you love this episode, take a screenshot, post it on Instagram and tell everyone you know that this is the podcast to listen to. And tag me at Iman Coffee Co so we can say hi and so I can share your post. You can find the links to everything I've mentioned today in the show notes. Next time on Mistakes That Made Me. We all run into this where it's so it's so gratifying to make new things. Like mm. you get the excitement, you have the idea, you're going through all your task lists, you're using your productivity tools, and then this, this shiny thing exists that didn't exist before, and you put your heart and your soul and your branding and everything into it. But then who's going to buy it? Because all you've done is spend time making things. And now people don't know that it exists. They don't know why they should care. They don't know what problem it solves. Yeah. You just sort of like emerge from this creation cave and you're like, look at this new thing. And everyone's like, cool, but how does it help me? Haven't heard from you (laughs) in two years. Haven't heard from you in two years. You know, like you've just been like in a cave. 